skulls and artifacts. It's not obvious what's going on there. We talked about it yesterday. And the idea was today to talk about about the relationship between goals and artificial intelligence, the way we talked about the relationship between goals and a battery. But it's, it's just not obvious how to get past these basic questions, some, some really hard-to-ignore, hard-to-tackle questions. This is Retrace, re-number seven. It's October 26th, a Monday. Our point of departure is intelligence. We're trying to find out, figure out what's going on out there. And our point of departure is intelligence. We started with strategic intelligence. We're into artificial intelligence this week. Next week will be natural intelligence. Artificial intelligence. Tried to establish yesterday that nobody really knows what AI is. Today, what what is a goal? Uh, It's always the most familiar, most utilized words and ideas that present the most trouble when you when you look closely. All right, so here are the three sort of problematic, not ideas, not questions. They're, they're both. So well, let's, let's just establish that goals, wherever they are in your mind, in someone else's mind, in a group of minds, wherever the goal is physically, however difficult it would be to locate it with coordinates or, a, or some sort of reference frame, wherever goals are, they, they produce artifacts. That's a point that Herbert Simon makes in, in not the same words over and over again, that goals and design and artifacts are intimately related and they talk to each other and they form loops and etc. Goals produce artifacts. And do they, does the artifact absorb the goal? Is the goal in the artifact? Does an abacus have in it the goal of its creator? Either its designer or its builder or both? Not obvious. And then the next question is, can artifacts themselves produce goals? And, and it seems like sort of, yes, commonsensically, yes. So you build an abacus, the goal, let's say it's in you to build an abacus for whatever purposes. You, you know, you've got, an, you've got an ultimate goal and then you've got like the sub goal of building an abacus or maybe your ultimate goal is to just build an abacus to say you did it. Uh, okay, fine. So you build the abacus. Do you... Are there goals that are going to occur inside your mind that wouldn't have occurred before you built the abacus? I think definitely, immediately, yes. I mean, the first goal that you might notice is 
you want to test it or you want to show it off or you want to put it on the on the mantle or wherever to enjoy looking at it. I built an abacus. That, my next goal is to enjoy that fact repeatedly for some period of time or try to cause other people to enjoy that fact that I built this abacus. That's a goal, right? That came from the, it can't, it wasn't there before the abacus or it might not have been. Maybe you knew in advance you were going to put this abacus on your on your shelf, fine. But not everybody who built abacai and put them on shelves in history knew that they were going to do that second thing. That goal came from the artifact in some sense. And you absorbed it. You absorbed the goal after it came from the artifact. Or you could say it, it, it sort of spontaneously occurred inside you but whatever maybe it wasn't absorption maybe it wasn't outside and then came in maybe it it came from within and there never was an out the goal never was outside okay fine fair enough we'll, we'll accept that so we're not sure if the goal of building an abacus is absorbed into the goal or into the abacus itself once it's done or while it's being done and we're pretty sure that one way or another, the, a new goal can be in the mind of an abacus builder after the abacus is built. So, the really interesting question is, can artifacts, if they can absorb goals, can they absorb them from themselves or from other artifacts? Now, we're not sure if artifacts can absorb goals, but let's play with the idea. You know, the, I mean, it, any, any machines that move, have moving parts, have in some physical sense, not what you typically call a goal, but, you know, that in a, a combustion engine, the explosion, the piston, the things connected to the piston, you know, the, the, the goal of, of, of the, of the uh, mechanisms between the combustion chamber and let's say, the, the transmission, the goal is for, to get that energy out through the, the carefully designed mechanisms and into the drivetrain. You wouldn't think of it as a goal, but it, it's like a goal. It's, it's some sort of motive force. It's something that moves things. Maybe it doesn't, maybe you think of living things as being different from dead things or, or, or from artifacts or inanimate things, although a car is pretty animated. I mean, especially a self-driving one. I mean, I mean, even a even a regular one. You know, the you turn the key and the thing starts. You're not putting any muscle into that. That's you're causing some sort of chain reaction of animation. Uh, cars are animate, not in the typical way that word is used, but in some way. Okay, so some goal can go from, if, you know, in our very loose playing with this idea right now, a goal can go from a combustion chamber into a drivetrain and eventually into the wheels and the tires touching the ground and blah, blah, blah. There's, is that, that's absorption. I mean, it's definitely absorption of energy, right? The, 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 the physical structure and arrangement of the, the, the components involved there might not change at all. In, except in position and perhaps a little bit in, 
you know, the, uh, what material, material stress or something like that. But there's energy moving, and, and really, we can't start talking about energy. Energy is worse than electricity. It is, it is, it is ghostly and strange and and beyond the scope of, of today's conversation. But energy, in the physical sense, is moving through that sort of path. It's it, there's absorption. And exorption, that's a word, right? Exorption. Is, is the same thing happening with goals? Does the abacus absorb my energy, quote-unquote, not necessarily talking about kilojoules, but, but also maybe talking about kilojoules? Maybe a goal inside the mind really is just sort of an arrangement of matter that has a particular particular tendency to produce what? To what? You can't produce energy, right? We don't think? It's not obvious. But if the, if the abacus can absorb a goal from me, if it can, if you accept that, can it absorb a goal from another abacus? Or can, it, can another abacus absorb a goal from it? Well, maybe not directly, but if you're using a pair of abacai together to do even more advanced math than you were able to do with just one, the goal might travel through you. Something might occur to you. Some goal might occur to you by using the first abacus, travel through you, go to the second one. Okay. It's getting hard to think about. It is hard to think about. Okay. Now, what if it's AI? What if it's a super smart warehouse computer? Or what if it's Johnny Five, R2D2, C3PO, pick your thing. You put, if you're putting in any sense designer goals into those things, and then they animate, and you tell yourself, most, you know, in, the, in, in most of the animation that happens in the early phases, that this is, this is, this is clockwork. This thing's a machine. You can treat it like dirt. Because it's not alive. They used to do that with animals, you know, for, for like a long time. And, and there was, I think there was like a, a particular sort of fetishistic, you know, sadism with cats or something in, uh, around the time of the Enlightenment. This idea that animals were machines amused some crazy people uh, in, in that they could torture these animals and, and not feel bad about it because they were just... It was like torturing a wristwatch, although there weren't wristwatches. Torturing some sort of clock or some sort of assemblage of simple machines. So this animate C-3PO, he's the best because Han Solo kind of treats him like dirt. Everybody sort of treats him like dirt, right? And why? I mean, he's annoying, I don't know if Han Solo ever actually did anything unethical to C-3PO. That's a great question. Because you can imagine, like, just annoying people who would, might have been treated the same way. I don't know. So, so this animation in the, the super AI computing warehouse in, 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 in information form only without any sort of you know, sensors and actuators and, and robotic stuff, or in C-3PO, 
the, the goals came from somewhere to make those things do as they do now. But, but what if, I mean, at what point do the things start having their own goals in some loose sense and then tighter and tighter? At what point do we go from this, <laughs> this what? Alpha go, alpha zero running on this pile of computers in an airplane hangar is managing Google's power supply or, or power usage autonomously. The engineers come in in the morning, you know, take over the shift, sip their coffee and just make sure the thing isn't blowing up literally, figuratively or literally. The same thing happens with, right, like the monitoring of, of SCADA systems. I forget what SCADA stands for, but it's like the you know, infrastructure stuff. You got to have, or, or, or nuclear missile silos. You got to have somebody just sitting at the terminal, making sure there's no loud red beeping. Those things are, you know, they're doing some, they're animate on their own. I mean, some of them could run longer than a human lifespan, right? At what point do we say they're alive? They don't seem to be alive. But as they get more and more animate, more and more impressive, more and more as they act like they know things, they seem to know things, and then they start to act like they know. It's different. They Seeming to know is one thing, you know, a computer that, oh, wow, it really does seem to know what's in that photograph, that person's face or that person's name, or it's a crosswalk. And I didn't just tell it via capture. It actually seems to know it on its own. Okay, it seems to know things. But, but it's not like acting like it knows anything. A driverless car is acting like it knows something. The more these artifacts start to seem to know things and act like they know things, the more problematic the question becomes, can they absorb or spontaneously have and, and, and exorb goals? Because unless you think of it as just, you know, the next step in a chain reaction that was started originally by some human being with normal, familiar, friendly goals, you have to wonder what kind of goals are going to come out of that thing. Are we really going to get C-3PO? Are we going to bet? What are we going to bet that that C-3PO outcome happens? All right. Well, this is definitely like a, a well-worn topic. It, it's been something that, that um, philosophers more so and then, and you know, math, it started with mathematicians, I.J. Good, and then it was, you know, AI-bent mathematicians, and then it was, it was uh, philosophers in, you know, so I.J. Good was in the early 60s, I think, um, so we talked about superintelligence, he talked about, he was the person who sort of coined the idea of an intelligence explosion, which we'll get to. But you can imagine, like an intelligence explosion. It doesn't mean something intelligent explodes. It means something intelligent builds the next version of itself or builds, builds itself better, improves itself. That accelerates very quickly once you reach a certain point, presumably. 
that sort of concern started with I.J. Good, and although it goes back even further to um, now I just forgot the guy's name, but uh, oh, Samuel Butler, and then via George Dyson, all kinds of stuff. It's, we'll get into all the details here. The point is, uh, this is this is a well-worn topic. Our machines. Do they already have goals? Are they going to have them in the future? If you take for granted that they will have goals or already do have goals, then don't we have a huge problem because, you know, we don't control those goals or we might not be able to control them and they have some sort of – there's some sort of probability that they're going to end up being bad for everybody. There are 100 books on this topic and a solid five or six of them are good. The other ones are not terrible. Um, and we'll get into them, but we can't race ahead past this idea. The goal is, is the key. If there's, if there's a, if there's something about goals that isn't sort of, that doesn't move from place to place or doesn't, if we don't understand goals, that might be good news or bad news for the, uh, for concerns about the future of AI. I can't speak for the community of people who think about this sort of stuff because I wouldn't be considered a member of it, although I do think about it. Uh, but I don't think the general sense is that that we're going to discover something about goals that means that machines can't have them. Whatever we mean by that fuzzy word. If an artifact can absorb a goal from you, can it absorb a goal from itself? If it can absorb one from you and you can absorb one from it, can it absorb one from it? Or can another artifact absorb a goal from an artifact? It's not obvious. What's the work? What what do you do? Let's say you could, let's say you knew the answers to these questions or whether these sort of statements were strictly true. We take the statement, goals produce artifacts and the artifacts absorb the goals. Let's say you knew that was true. What? So what? What do you do about this? What do you do about this? Any of this? Let's skip all the way to the end. Let's skip to the more or less cutting edge of AI consternation and say these were rapidly developing machines that are going to take on a life of their own and are very likely, more likely, vastly more likely to destroy us by accident or incidentally than they are to be any good for us. Skip all the way to that point. What do you do if that's true or if you know that to be true somehow? Run around? Tell people on the street? What do they do? I mean, you can imagine... We got a lot of smart people, a lot of influential people together. They all met in the same place, and they all agreed during the whole conversation. It was a long conversation. They covered everything, cross the T's, dot the I's. They know what they're doing. They're going to stop this thing. We know the AIs are going to be bad for us. We know why nobody disagrees about it. It's better than global warming. It's not even like most of the scientists agree like in global warming. It's like every single one of them. What do they do? What do you do to our world, this world, this human 2020 world that is building these things that are causing concern 
and also not causing concern, what would you do to stop it? Is this something we're doing, or is this something that's happening to us? It's not obvious. How would you reorganize the world to ensure that dangerous superintelligent AI will not be built? How would you reorganize the world to ensure that baseballs would not be built? I don't... How? Totalitarianism. You could um, decide on the least bad option and create a dystopia. That's actually one of the things that Nick Bostrom deals with in his... He doesn't deal with it. He, he takes it seriously as a, as, a, as a viable option. He doesn't necessarily endorse it. I mean, he doesn't endorse it at all, but you have to consider the, the, the extremes here. What is the work you would do if you even had answers to these questions? And we should remember how normal it is for people to think they have answers when they cannot at all justify you know, saying that they do, or convince anyone else of any sort of logical scruples that they do. So when people think, people are going to think they have the answers to these questions. They're going to think, they already do. I mean, they, I'm not gonna, I can't rattle off a bunch of, there aren't any uh, cult groups yet, pro or anti-superintelligence, but they've been written about in, in nonfiction. Uh, there's um, Hugo de Garris, um, The Artelect War. That's what the whole book is about. He's a smart guy, physicist, uh, who's been worrying about AI for a long time. And the book is a bit repetitive, but it's really good. It, it, it's, I mean, it just needs, it just needs a compression algorithm. But anyway, the, 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 he, he coins these two terms. Nobody really uses them widely yet, but cosmins, cosmists and Terrans. Cosmists are the ones who want to build the super AIs, you know, despite the, despite the risks or consequences. And then Terrans are the ones who want to do anything to, anything they can to stop that from happening. And, uh, they, he predicts, uh, what he calls a gigadeth war as opposed to megadeth, a gigadeth war between the two groups um, that starts in anticipation of the construction of these machines. Not, not because they've been built. Once they're built, all bets are off. Either you find out, you know, that's the end of the game at that point. At that point, you know the answer. You know, it turns out okay or it's a disaster. It's too late once they're built. So people are going to anticipate that too late moment and go to war over it. And, and with the technology we already have, it's going to be much worse than the last big war, which was World War II, which was about megadeth, millions instead of billions. Gigadeth is billions. So what's the work you do? What, what can you even know about these questions? And what can you even do? It's not obvious. You will hear again and again, if you delve into these topics, dear listener, you will hear again and again, People who feel like it's obvious. 
and they will be wrong. We'll leave it there. But, but what has to happen now, and it's not always obvious, but this is always true, we have to look at what's the work to do. What is the work? All right. This has been Retrace Segment 7. Signing off.